Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is When God Leaves You Limping by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, I thank you that you're always speaking. And I pray right now that as we come around your word, I pray that our ears would be open and our hearts would be open to to hear what it is you've got to say to us this morning. In your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles... Uh, whether it's in hard copy or one of your devices. If you'd like to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, I'd like to talk to you about an interesting man. Uh, The year 2020 has been an interesting year, huh? Well done, everybody. You've made it to the last Sunday in 2020. And uh, sometimes uh, events like 2020 happen and we can be asking ourselves, Where is God in all of this? What is going on and what is perhaps God even trying to do in all that has happened this year? I mean, this time last year, coronavirus was a faint rumour on the streets of China. And uh, the only one that got the rumour was, I think it was Thailand. Uh, They were the only one that said, we don't trust China, and they locked the borders down almost immediately. Um, and uh, perhaps we should have followed suit. But what a whirlwind year, hey? And it hasn't finished. For a lot of countries, they're still reeling from this, and uh, we've been somewhat, we've somewhat dodged a bullet here in Australia, but a lot's happened. A lot's happened on the church front. Uh, Church was enormously different this year. Um, uh, I appreciate church a lot more because it's different preaching to an empty room, and we did that for many months. Uh, Reuben would fall asleep behind the sound desk. It's just me and Reuben here most times. But a church was different for a lot of people, and it still is, and it still will be. If I had a title for today's message, today's message would be, When God Leaves You Limping. Because I honestly believe as individuals, as well as the body of Christ, we will move into the future different, changed. Maybe in some ways limping, and I don't mean a deficit, by limp, and I'll explain what I mean by that. I want to talk to you about a, a man by the name of Jacob. He's one of my favourite characters. If Jacob grew up in Australia, there's no doubt he would have grew up in Tasmania. He was a... <laughs> because he had the blessing of God on his life, right? But there is only... Before we go any further, there is only one way that you can ever interpret Scripture. We have principles, we have guidelines in how we do that, but there's many applications. And I believe that the life of Jacob, and I believe the point that we're going to speak about today, has a lot that resonates with the year 2020. And uh, before we get to verse 22, which is where I want to start, let's have a bit of a look at what's happened in Jacob's life. Now, Jacob, we know, for those that stuck it out through the Roman series, that Jacob was the twin brother of Esau. Now, Esau was born first. Esau uh, should have inherited the birthright. Esau should have inherited the blessing of God. But Jacob deceives his father and swindles his brother Esau. We know that that's the case, to get the blessing of God. And we know that the last time, once you're in 32, chapter 32, we know that the last time Jacob laid eyes on Esau, Esau wanted to kill him. Esau had declared that once Isaac was dead, I'll do away with my brother. It's kind of what Reuben says about his brothers. <laughs> I'll find a way to do away with them. But now, after some period of time, 
uh, Jacob then leaves. His mother sends him off and says, you've got to go and find a wife somewhere else. And, and Jacob works. Jacob thinks he's been ripped off, right, because he works 14 years for two women. How many men here work over 50 for one? <laughs> yeah, we're going to need that back door. We're going to have to... Yeah, well... That's definitely in the budget for next year. I need to be able to make a slick exit. But we, we know what happens, right? He, he goes and uh, uh, Laban promises him Rachel and after seven years swindles him, he ends up with Leah. He has to work another seven years to get Rachel. And Laban did that because he realised, you know, the minute Jacob got here, everything was different for me. My flocks are flourishing and, and everything's, the blessing of God is on this man. So he wanted to keep Jacob there. But Jacob ends up packing up his bat and ball and going anyway. It's interesting that when Laban pursues Jacob, Jacob stands his ground and confronts Laban. But at the possibility of being confronted with Esau, Jacob's world falls apart. You see, Jacob encounters God at a place that he names Bethel. It's where we see Jacob's ladder. Jacob says, God was in this place and I didn't know it. It's interesting, God's in this place this morning. And I pray that we all are aware of it. But he names that place Bethel. And after some period of time, God says, go back to Bethel. And on his way back, doing what God had told him to do, he's going to bump into Esau. That's where we meet him in chapter 32. He's about to bump into Esau. And good old Jacob does what, what most of us would probably do. He says, I've got to fix this situation myself. If I run into Esau, he's going to want to kill me. He's going to, he's going to overtake me. He's going to plunder me. He'll kill my family. He'll kill everybody. And so what Jacob does is he says, I've got to fix this myself. Does that sound like many people in 2020? Uh, we'll, we'll just fix this ourselves. We'll, uh, if there's one message that's come out of 2020 is, uh, look what happens when we all lose control takes a virus to teach us a lesson. But uh, if you're a control freak this morning, welcome to a room full of reformed control freaks. <laughs> My wife. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I need to... <laughs> but Esau tries to fix it. He sends messengers ahead of him. He sends gifts to try and appease Esau. He does everything in his power. But what happens here completely undoes Jacob. Jacob prays to God and he says, remember your word, God. You told me to go to Bethel. Does this sound, you ever had God, you ever felt like God's called you to do something? And then in the process of doing what God's called you to do, everything falls apart. And you think, hang on a second, did I hear from God in the first place? And Jacob's like, what's going on here? You promised you'd look after me. Now I'm going to run into Esau. Jacob's troubled, but Jacob, by the time we meet him in chapter 22, let's read, sorry, verse 22 of chapter 32. It says, the same night he arose, Jacob, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the fort of Jabok. Now he puts them on the other side of the river. Jacob has just encountered what looks like, fast forward many years, and it could be 2020 for Jacob right now. His whole world has fallen apart. He's completely lost control. I've got no control over what's about to happen to me. That's what Jacob's saying. And I believe we've got some lessons that we can draw off. As we press out of 2020 into 2021, I think there's some wonderful lessons that we can glean from Jacob as we move into the next year. 
The same night he arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children. And the lesson isn't get rid of your wife and children, by the way. And he crossed the ford of Jabbok, verse 23, and he took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Now, what happens here is Jacob puts everybody and everything on one side of the river and he stays on the other side. Because it goes on and it says in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. If you want to hear from God, if you need to do business with God, get everything else out of the way and get alone with God. What Jacob does here is what I would begin to encourage everybody to do. Jacob makes room for God. Jacob wants to do business with God. Jacob knows that there's no other hope. but God. And he gets alone with God. I would encourage everybody in this room, do whatever you have to do to get alone with God. Take things out of your life, cancel agendas, do whatever you have to do. Cancel appointments, stay up later, get up earlier, do whatever you have to do so that you can get alone with God. So often... We go through our life going, how come, God, I never seem to encounter you? God's like, I'm, I'm right here, I'm waiting. You, you know, when you want to spend time with your children and they're all preoccupied with everything else that's going on and all you want them to do is, hey, just put all that aside for a moment. It's kind of what God's saying. Just, just put everything else aside for a moment. Yeah, 2020 has been a tough year. What's happened through 2020? But let's just put all that aside for a moment. And maybe we should ask the question, God, what do you want to teach us from 2020? I've I, I got to tell you, there's many things about 2020 that I'm thankful for God for. Uh, as a leadership, we sat in March confronting a dark cloud, not knowing what was going to happen to the landscape of church. And I've got to tell you, God has been good to us as a church. 20, we look back in 2020, God has been good to us. He has blessed us. Uh, individually, corporately, uh, we have somewhat experienced the blessing and the favour of God. I'm very, very thankful. It's been an enormously unsettling time. We never knew. Honestly, we didn't know who would come back after COVID. We didn't know. God has been enormously faithful, has kept people, uh, has kept faith strong. And Jacob was left alone, and uh, this is what I love about Scripture. I don't know about anybody else's Bible, but my Bible says at the top of this paragraph, it says that Jacob wrestles with God. That's incorrect. A man, or God, wrestles with Jacob. That's what it says. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And later on, as we will see, Jacob's well aware of who it was that he wrestled. Jacob will say before this passage is ended, he will say, I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been spared. He is under no illusions to who it was that he's wrestling. And what I love about this is God is the one that takes initiative. A man wrestled with God and it is at this point in time that God will wrestle Jacob and it's interesting how we kind of define blessing in our life because what we're going to learn from Jacob is that the greatest blessings in our life is not what God adds to our life, but more often what it is that he takes away. You see, we've got a very proud, prideful, self-reliant Jacob 
Jacob's used to being able to make his own way. Jacob's used to being able to fix everything. Jacob's used to being in control. Now he's lost control. And God's going to wrestle all that away from him. C.S. Lewis says that the number one sin is pride. All other sins stem from that selfish pride that rests inside of all of us. If you are wrestling with self-reliance and pride, I want to encourage you. Proverbs tells us that God will tear down the house of the proud. God will strip all of your self-reliance away. That's, that's his aim. Why? Because he wants us to be fully reliant on him. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip sockets. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Sometimes when God touches us, it hurts. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And if we could have divine Polaroids and see behind the scenes as to what it is that God is doing and get the perspective on what God is doing. You know, pre-COVID, I was even wondering, God, what on earth is going on here? But as we've worked our way through COVID, I have seen that what we're going to see with Jacob, I have seen that one of two things has happened. Either these circumstances will loosen your grip on God, or for some, and for many, it has made them cling on to God ever more fervently. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, then he said, let me go, for day has broken. But Jacob said, I love, I love the heart that is betrayed here. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God's going to bless Jacob, but not the way that Jacob thinks he's going to be blessed. It's interesting how, uh, be careful when you ask God to bless you, because the greatest blessing that God could bring into your life is anything that makes you more Christ-like. You see, the things of this world, you know, the greatest blessings aren't measured in things like houses and cars and and bank accounts and and relationships and all those sorts of things. None of those things, because they'll all fall away, but you will stand before him for an eternity. And the most important thing when we stand before him is, are we in the image of Christ? And sometimes the most painful circumstances in our lives is when God touches us to make us more Christ-like. I will not let you go unless you bless me. When was the last time we got before God and said, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to grab hold of your garments. I'm going to cling on to you, God, until you bless me, until I break through. Uh, I remember the Puritans, reading some of the Puritan literature. Uh, these guys spoke about breaking through in prayer. We, we talk about breaking the five-minute mark. These guys would burn candles all night. We will be here until we break through and grab hold of God. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we set aside all the agendas and just said, God, I'm here until I meet with you face to face? It will not happen until it's the most important thing for us. And right now for Jacob, it's the most important thing. Nothing else matters right now except I must get hold of God. I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. Okay, Jacob. God will bless you. Verse 27, and he said to him, what is your name? Now, this is what I love about God. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. When, 
whenever God asks us a question, he's not looking for information. Um, let's take a couple of examples. When, uh, for those that were here Christmas Day, when Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I, that I am? Jesus already knew he wanted them to understand inside of themselves who Jesus was to them. When, when God comes to Adam in the garden and says, Adam, where are you? It wasn't as though he lost Adam and Eve for a couple of minutes or anything like that. Where did I put that guy? No, that's not what happened. What happened was, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, well, I'm in the bushes, dude, because I'm hiding, because I was a little bit afraid. And God says, what are you doing in the bushes? Oh, well, you see, I heard you and I was afraid. Well, why are you afraid? Because something's happened. You see, when God asks us a question, he's not looking for information. I think he knew what Jacob's name was. And what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And whenever God asks a question, and whenever God asks us a question, I believe in 2020, God has asked the church and many of it, many of us inside of the church a big question this year. But whenever God asks a question, it's like he puts us in front of a mirror so that we can see ourselves the same way that he sees us. I remember when I was working in the forestry, we, had, um, we used to go away for three months, uh, every day of the week for three months, and we'd prune at a horrid place called Blue Tear in Tasmania. And the only thing that lived there was snakes and whatever other insect you could think of. But I remember these guys, we lived in a house, and these guys, the alarms would go off at 5 o'clock in the morning. These guys would drink till 10 o'clock at night. And the alarms would go off, and I'd be out with the car running, and all these guys would jump in the troop carrier, and whew, they hadn't looked in the mirror. <laughs> you could tell that they... And I, I could look in the revision mirror and say, if you guys could see what I'm seeing... <laughs> Oh, no one's going to see us. And then, of course, we pull into town and everybody gets out and gets something to eat and they're all like, where did these bogans come from, you know? Like, these guys wouldn't do their hair. Uh, one guy put his shirt on backwards. They'd, be, they'd get dressed in the dark and their shirts would be inside out. Unbelievable. But if you could put them in front of a mirror and they could see what I could see, they go, whoa, there's something wrong here. They think, you know, they're thinking George Clooney. <laughs> right? I'm thinking Cousin It, Right? <laughs> And sometimes God says, you need to spend a little bit of time just having a look in the mirror so you can see yourself how I see you. You think you've got it. That's what happened with Peter, you see. Peter says, you know what, God, uh, Jesus, you know what, I'll die with you if I have to. And Jesus says, well, let's put you in front of the mirror for a little while. And then Peter says, you know what, I haven't got it all together like I think I did. You think you got it all together, Jacob? You think you can fix everything, Jacob? What's your name? Well, my name's Jacob. And now we kind of... Names aren't as important as they were in ancient times, but names associated identity in ancient times. And when God asked Jacob, who are you? Jacob means deceiver. Well, I'm the deceptive one. I'm the one, that's, I'm the one that swindled my brother. I'm the self-reliant one that'll scheme and, and make my own way through life. And God says, yeah, really? You want me to bless you, Jacob? Well, I'm going to bless you. Let's read how he does that. And he says to him, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Israel means one who strives with God. Or in the Hebrew, more importantly, God strives. It's kind of like Daniel. Daniel, the word Daniel means uh, he who judges. But it's not he who judges God, it's the God judges. And so what we, what we find in the name of Jacob is that God strives or God rules. 
The greatest blessing that Jacob inherited from this moment on is he had a new ruler inside of his heart. Somebody else was in charge now. Uh, The most profound thing that happens in Jacob's life right now is he lets go of the reins and he hands over to God. Sometimes that's a lifetime process for many of us. Letting go and letting God. We, we kind of clamber. Uh, uh, it's all right, God, I've got... Hey, in, in ministry, uh, I, I mix with other pastors and we have these same conversations. It's, it's like, we go, it's, it's okay, God, we've got this. You can have the day off. We're, we've got, God cannot have a day off. But how many of us go, you know what, God... Everything's going hunky-dory, dude. It's all right. I don't, I don't need to come to prayer. I, I, I don't need to get up early anymore. Um, you're right. You can have a bit of time off. Everything's right. Uh, that is the time to press in the hardest. In fact, C.H. Spurgeon says that our greatest enemy is prosperity. Comfort. When we're used to being able to do things for ourselves. Jacob gets a new identity. The interesting thing from this point is that Isaac's son will be referenced as Jacob twice as many times as he is Israel. And just like all of us, there's still an element of Jacob inside of this old war horse here. You know, by the time he gets to near the end of his life and he's before Pharaoh, Jacob says something very profound, actually. He leans on his staff and he says, My years have been long and hard. Yes, but you didn't help yourself, Jacob. <laughs> it could have helped yourself along the way. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Verse 29, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Uh, I've heard many, some very famous preachers talk about, you know, seeing Jesus. I, I remember one preacher spoke for an hour about his trip to heaven and he was talking like he went down to the shop to get a carton of milk. When you come face to face with God, you don't leave the same. And you don't have a conversation that sounds like I went down and had a talk to the guy at the milk bar. That's not what this sounds like. In fact, when Paul was called up to the third heaven, he says, I've seen things that I can't put into words. So if you've been there and you can orate it for me, I'm going to doubt you've been there. At John, if you read the book of Revelation, you're going to find that it's full of the word like. Why? Because John saw stuff and he's, he's basically, I don't know how to explain this. It's like this. His eyes were like a flaming fire. His hair was white as wool. His voice was like the thundering trumpets. What? And I hear people say, oh, God just spoke to me the other day. Really? Wow. Jacob says, I have seen God face to face and my life has been delivered. He knew that he encountered God. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Jacob limped for the rest of his life. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. Jacob was never the same. 
Jacob limped. And every time he limped, God was telling him, you can't do it on your own, Jacob. It's a reminder of, you wrestle with me and the fight is over when I'm ready, says God, because I'll just touch you. Done. I remember talking to a a person who was a a non-believer and I said, if you ever want to... I said, if you ever want a prayer that I guarantee you God will answer, this is the prayer. I said, if you pray to God, reveal yourself to me, I said, he will answer that prayer. I said, but I guarantee you, you're not going to like how it happens. And I know now, of six people in the circle of this church, I could, I could reel off their names, but I'm not going to, people that are on the edges and the fringes of kind of being in contact, and I can tell you now, God is doing a number on their life. And, and I pray for them because I know that God is making himself known. God made himself known to Jacob. I, I want to encourage everybody as we come to a close. Thank you, Maria. We're going to sing a song in a moment. But I want to share something with you. Simon Lazinski sent me a text message. And for those who don't know Simon, he's tall, gangly, ugly. No, he's not ugly. <laughs> no. But he's at, he's at work today. And he said, I had a word from the Lord that I wanted to share. And I thought, you know what, it ties up. He's got no idea what I'm speaking about, but it just so happens that it ties in very beautifully to the end of this year and how I want to close this message. So I'm just going to read out the word that he sent. He says, There is a move of my spirit that is coming upon you in this place, a wave of my glory and my presence to bring revival, renewal, repentance and restoration in your life, in this church and in this community. Of the day and the hour you do not know, but discern the time and the season you are in and know it is closer than you think. Just as on the day of Pentecost, there was suddenly a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind as the Holy Spirit manifested himself. Also as Saul was on the road to Damascus, then suddenly a light shone around him and the Holy Spirit manifested his presence. Also know suddenly there will be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your midst which will touch lives, transform lives, restore lives, renew lives. For in your midst at the same time there will be tears and there will be joy. There will be tears of repentance and there will be joy unspeakable as people are delivered and set free from the things that have held them back. Just as Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So I would say to you, prepare, prepare, prepare. Eat of my word like never before, drink of my presence like never before. And as Elijah bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees in prayer for the purpose of God to be manifested, I'm calling you to be in that place of prayer. For there is rising up an abundance of rain of my presence and my glory in your midst. Be like the wise virgins who prepared themselves for what was coming in the near future. Again, I say to you, prepare, prepare, prepare. Be people of my word, be people of prayer, seeking my heart, be people that are open to my presence and my anointing. And as you do, surely know that I will visit you. I will come suddenly, but know for sure that I will come and do what I have promised. Amen. You know, as this year comes to a close, thank you, worship team. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. As this year comes to a close, I think those words sing very loudly to us.
But when I was in the forestry, if you, I could take you to Tasmania now and I could show you enormous plantations and coops, uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of trees. But before one of those trees were ever even planted, a bulldozer was put on there that had to rip the ground up. And you know what? I think 2020 has ripped the ground up. I think a lot of what's happened in 2020 has... Uh, I think church leaders have been asked questions. I think motivations... Uh, resoundingly this year, I have learned that although I have enormous insufficiencies... And I do. I know you are all shocked to hear that this morning. Although I have enormous insufficiencies, I've come to the realisation that Jesus is all-sufficient. And whatever 2021 holds, before we make any resolutions, let us resolve to grab hold of God. He's calling you now, brother. Uh, if you need prayer, if you want to do business with God this morning, then we open up. We'd love to pray with you or for you if we can. But we're going to sing. And uh, as I close in prayer, can we just stand in his presence? Father, we thank you for 2020. We thank you for your faithfulness. We are grateful for the many blessings that are in our life. We are grateful for the position this country is in. Yes. Father, we are grateful, and we know it's not a coincidence that we have a Christian prime minister and a country that is in a very fortunate position. Those things are not a coincidence. You are sovereign, O oh God, and we recognise that. I pray, Father, that you bring every one of us to the place of surrender. You brought Jacob to that place, the place where we let go of all this self-reliance, and I pray as we break into the new year, Lord God, that we would break in in full reliance upon you. Bring each and every one of us to that place, Lord, I pray. Lord, we are grateful and thankful in your wonderful name. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.